hope that you, uh, you've had a wonderful week this week. Uh, I, I don't know if you look at Sunday as the beginning or the end, uh, but it's there in the middle of it. So uh, I pray as we go through our day today that uh, you have just seen God's faithfulness uh, in your life, that you've continued to see his blessings, that you've continued to see his hand moving in your daily life. This morning, I was greatly encouraged. Uh, last week, we talked about the power of one, the power of an individual to make the difference. And we, we all know about Peter. Peter had such a great impact in the kingdom of God. But who do we highlight last week? We highlighted Andrew. Because Andrew, when he first met Jesus, what did he do? He went and found his brother, Peter. And this week, uh, I had, this morning, I had four or five different people stop me to tell me uh, who they invited to church this morning. And let me say thank you uh, for believing in what God is doing here at Calvary enough that you invite people to come, come be a part of it. Because I believe God has called us as a church to do something unique in our community. And that's developing, growing. And we're called to be a lighthouse to win the lost, those that have not yet met Jesus. And it's only made possible as we have new people come in. And so uh, Andy Buttafuco this morning shared with me that he had to go to the dentist this week. He took flyers with him to the dentist. How many of you know when you go to the dentist, you're not looking to make friends? right? You're looking to get out of there as quick as you can. But he invited the office staff to come join us at church. And so I don't know if any of them came. If you did, thank you for coming. Uh, we'll sign up for a, a cleaning later on. But we're so happy. I'm excited. Very few things make me as excited as hearing about you inviting people to come be a part of the Calvary family, to come part of what God is doing here because I really believe that God is going to continue to bring increase. And as we talked about this summer of our series of forward, I really believe that as God moves us forward, we're going to continue to see increase. We're going to continue. You remember the walls that we had that uh, we, we prayed, we prayed over the walls and we wrote down our dreams for Calvary over and over again. Here's what I saw. I saw more people coming to know Jesus was one of the requests, more people coming to Calvary, more people finding their home here, more people involved in ministry. We believe that God has called us to do great things. And we believe that we're going to do that together as a family. And so let me just say thank you. Uh, for believing in where God is leading us and inviting people to be a part of what God is doing. Because God will build his church, amen? God will build his church. It's 100% God and 100% us participating with God. And as we do what we're faithfully called to do, God will do what he has faithfully promised to do. So let's believe God for great things, amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're starting a new series. We're starting a new series in the book of John. Uh, and so I'm excited about it. And so if you want to open up to the book of John, that's great. That's where we'll be. You know, uh, John is a, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful gospel. It's very evangelistic. Uh, it talks a lot about God, uh, which you would hope in the, uh, the gospels. Uh, but John, in my mind, if you read the other three gospels, um, John is the most unique gospel. Uh, the other three are called the synoptic gospels, uh, and so they, it's where the gospels line up, and John has the most unique footprint of any of uh, the gospels. It is most uniquely, and it was, it was the gospel that was written last. 
Uh, and so it kind of fills in the areas that the other three weren't, uh, weren't writing. And really, John was written uh, to address, he was actually, the, 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 what church history teaches us is that, is that the Apostle John was asked to write the spiritual gospel um, to refute some bad teaching that was working its way into the church. And so John wrote his gospel uh, for a very specific purpose uh, to help us see Jesus in his fullness. And one of the things I love about John is that John has a great introduction. Man, a powerful introduction. You know, and that, you know, the, the ability to have a good opening line or a good introduction, it really makes uh, for a wonderful, wonderful message, a great story. How many of you remember some of the best books that you've, you've ever read? Uh, some of the classic literature that has just amazing opening lines. I, I, I've got one here for you. The, um, the Catcher in the Rye, has, it's one that we've all had to read. Uh, here's the opening line. It says, if you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and my parents were occupied and all before they had, or all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of stuff. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. There's an opening line for you, isn't it? It kind of pulls you in. Another one, a real classic one that we're familiar with, uh, it's, it's from the Tale of Two Cities. I'm sure you've heard this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of fullness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. That's bad. I said that wrong. I'm sorry. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Man, there's a story I want to read, right? It just pulls you in. And one of the challenges that we have when we read the Bible is that sometimes we read the Bible without remembering that we are reading the book that God has written. We are reading the very story of the birth of the church. We're reading the true account of what God has done. So I thought maybe it'd be helpful if we took the intro to John and uh, we put it kind of how we would introduce it today. If we want to understand the impact of what John was saying. And uh, I thought, you know, nowadays it's, it's less about books. It's more about big movies, right? It's more about big movies. And so I thought maybe if we, if we jazzed it up a little bit, it would help to set the stage for the big story that John is telling in his gospel. So uh, if you will just sit back and enjoy the opening of the book of John. Hey, we will clap that out. I can work Star Wars in. I uh, I really will. 
the intro to John, what a powerful, powerful intro. It, it, it's, it, is, it is setting the stage for the story of God, and it, it's, it's laying out for us just the power, the power that John is connected to. It's a beautiful thing. Think of it. Think of it. It's in the beginning. We all know this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Powerful, isn't it? It's powerful in there. You know, really, the book of John, like I said, it was it was written, um, it was written for the purpose of refuting some teaching. And really, if we we have to jump down, you ever read? You know, each gospel, each gospel, each book of the Bible is written with a different overview of what is it trying to communicate. And John, in order to really understand, and this is, I want to share this from the beginning. Because I want us to understand what we're covering in this series. I want to understand what we're talking about as we go through this. Um, why John was written. He actually throws it almost at the end. He throws it almost at the end. John's only got 21 chapters. And in John chapter 20, verse 31, let's throw that up on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, but these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name. It's why John is considered such an evangelistic gospel. It tells about Jesus. Really, one of the ways that we introduce John, and it seems so very appropriate that we have our new light, uh, our light stage, our light boxes here, is that really John's gospel introduces the light to the world. John's gospel introduces the light to the world. It says, these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. This was confirming the divinity of Jesus. This is what he was doing. John, as he was writing, writing it's in, in verse 2 it says, he was with God in the beginning. He himself was talking about in, in verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is not the apostle John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John is introducing the light to the word, or to the world. Verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The introduction of John. The introduction. I want to sum up the first 18 verses to you in, in the introduction of John. Here's what the Apostle John is saying in the introduction of his gospel. He is saying this, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. The teaching that uh, John was, start, was addressing in his gospel was this, this false teaching that Jesus was sent by God, was he, but he was just a good person. But the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's what John is telling us. 
Jesus didn't just come from God. Jesus is God. And he is the light of the world. And all of life is made possible through him. Now that's a good introduction. What a powerful message to tell the world. Here he is. I walked with him. God brought him. This is what the Apostle John is saying. I was with him. The darkness didn't come. The light was here in the world. And he sent. Who, who did God send to prepare the way for Jesus? John the Baptist. That is one of the confusing parts about the introduction to uh, John, the book of John, is that it's written by a guy named John, and he's talking about another guy named John. And so it's kind of like this week when uh, Adrian was emailing or talking to me about something. She said, now John's doing this and John's doing that. I said, okay, are we talking about John Palmer or John Nieves? Which John? And so we had to start doing full, you're over here. We had to start doing full names uh, to make fair. So John, the apostle, wrote, and he's introducing us to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came uh, for us to meet Jesus. John the Baptist came to meet came to meet us, uh, came to introduce us to Jesus. And actually, that's really what it says in verse 6. It says, there was sent from God a man whose name was John. And in, in Mark, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, uh, it says, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make the paths straight for him. And it's in Mark uh, 1, 23. You know, John the Baptist had a very interesting uh, ministry. John the Baptist had a very interesting ministry in, uh, in what he was doing. Um, John the Baptist had disciples of his own. And John the Baptist was calling people to repentance. He was, he was uh, preaching uh, about righteousness. He was preaching about... Now, there's, there's some incomplete information, obviously. Uh, they didn't keep detailed records on what John the Baptist... We have pretty much what the gospel shares with us. But we understand that John the Baptist had a purpose. His purpose was to prepare the way for God. And if you look down at uh, John one nineteen, John one nineteen. Um, here's, here's what... Here's what we see in that, in that verse. It says, it says, now this was John's testimony, who was the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied to the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John the Baptist uh, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Now we have our wonderful introduction uh, of, the, of the book of John that tells us that Jesus is God. He's the light of the world. And then we get into the story of somebody that was sent to introduce Jesus or to make the way for Jesus straight and possible. And that was interesting to me as I was reading it. Because does Jesus really need someone to make the way possible for him to come? 
He's God. Everything was created to him. Everything was created through him. He was with God from the very beginning because he is God. And so I, as I was, I was, I was thinking about it, think, looking at it, here's the thing I came to is that um, they weren't making the way straight for Jesus as much as they were making the way straight and clear for the people to be ready to receive Jesus. I think that people had gotten so far off course of where God wanted them to be and had walked away from the message of repentance and purity and the message that Jesus would bring that they needed a precursor, a forerunner. They need somebody to prepare them to hear the real message of God, the real message that Jesus was bringing. The reality is that God prepares people for a new season. And that's what God was doing uh, through John the Baptist, is that he was preparing people for a new season. God is preparing all of us for a new season. The uh, image that came into my head was that of a farmer. Thus, the, uh, the tools that I need. You know, farmers use a lot of different tools. Uh, they use a lot of different tools. And you know one of the main things that farmers uh, use tools for initially? They have to break up the ground. They have to break up the ground. Have you ever, has anybody ever kept a garden? You keep a garden? Yeah, I don't, I don't keep a garden. Heather, uh, she did a garden this year. Um, she, did a, she grew tomatoes, and she got, she got a bunch of tomatoes out of it. Uh, green beans. She got some green beans out of it. Uh, I don't remember what else she, she, she planted, but um, you know what? Gardening's a lot of work. Any, anybody that says they do it for re- relaxation, I think they're lying. <laughs> I don't think it's true. It's a lot of work because you got to get out there and weed the garden, right? You got you to weed it. You got to water it. You gotta, I mean, you gotta be out there all the time, you know? My, my contribution to the garden was I put a little fence around it uh, to keep uh, rabbits out of it as best we could. Uh, that was my contribution to her, her garden. But it's a lot of work. And if you've ever seen somebody out on the farm working, what do they do? They have to break up the ground. They have to uh, till the soil. Maybe they need a hoe. Some of the harder ground, what are you gonna have to do? You might actually have to dig out some rocks. You might have to dig out different pieces. You might have to have a hand tiller. You might have to have a real tiller. You might have to bring in some professionals to help you out. It's a lot of work, isn't it? In order for that ground to be ready to receive seed, what do you have to do? You have to break it up. It has to be prepared to receive something new. That's what God was doing with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was preparing the people of Israel for a new season. He was coming in, and there was a voice in the wilderness that was crying out, repent, repent, repent. He was baptizing people. He was doing something different, and he was doing it for the purpose of breaking up the ground. He's breaking up the ground so that uh, they would be prepared for Jesus. It's not so that Jesus would be ready for them. It's so that they would be ready for Jesus. 
You know, we all need that. We all need that. We all need to be prepared for new blessings. We all need to be prepared for new blessings. And in this context, I want you to understand, when I say prepared for new blessings, I mean we all need to be made ready. We all need to be made ready to receive new blessings. When I say made ready, that means there might be things in our lives that need to be broken up. There might be things in our lives that need to be tilled like a garden. There might be things in our our lives that need to be trimmed out like a garden. There might be things that we need to pull out like the weeds of our lives. You know, oftentimes we look at trials and difficulties as negative things. What if they are the things that God is allowing us to go through to till up the soil of our lives? What if the challenges of our lives, they're not necessarily things that we want to experience, but I'm pretty sure that if dirt could talk to you, it's never wanted a shovel shoved into it. It's never wanted a rake pulled through it. There's no weed that has desired to be yanked out of the ground. New seasons can be uncomfortable. And the process of being made ready can be uncomfortable. You know, if you, as, you, as you see kids, as they start to hit uh, growth spurts, if you've had that, they, they, get, they get awkward, don't they? they? They stumble, they trip, they fall, they eat everything in sight. But... Uh, growing pains are a real thing. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had a thing called tendonitis of the Achilles tendon. Uh, and so here, it, it, here's what it is. When you're born, your, your, your heel bone is not connected to your primary foot bone. And about 12 or 13 years old, um, as you start to hit puberty, that bone grows in with the other one. And for a period of four years, it hurt to walk. And so I had to go to the podiatrist every week for four years. And they would literally, they would tape my foot and pull my heel in tighter uh, to my foot. So to help, we experience growth pains and they're uncomfortable, aren't they? And what do we, when we hit pain, what do we want to do? Let's find the source of pain and stop it. But what if the pain you're walking through is the trial that you need to find a new level of freedom and victory in Jesus? Maybe you're, maybe you're not being buried. Maybe you're being planted so that God can water you and help you grow. See, we have to be prepared for new blessings, but prepared means made ready. Any of us can go, here I am, God. Give me something new. But maybe we're not ready to receive something new because we haven't done anything with the old that he gave us. We have to be ready to receive new blessings. We have to be made ready. If you walked out to the the field out here and just threw some seed out on the grass, guess what? Some of it would stick. But if you went out there, you tilled up the soil, you watered it, you gave it the right nutrients, the right feed, guess what? A whole lot more of it's going to stick. A whole lot more of it's going to be ready to take root in our lives. And John the Baptist came to help prepare people to receive the newness that God was 
sending them. But too many of us, we don't want to hear the new things. I've shared it before and I'll continue to share it because I think it's the scariest statistic I've ever heard in my entire life. That's why I say it over and over again. George Barna did a study that found the average Christian stops growing after seven years of salvation. That's terrifying. And maybe in life you're looking at it and say, I haven't felt a whole lot of advancement in my life. I haven't felt like I've moved forward. Well, here's, here's a mathematical equation for you. Same actions equal same results. If we do the same things that we've always done, we're going to get the same results that we always have. And so if we want something new in our life, if we want a new level, if we want a new depth with God, what are we willing to do differently? What are we willing to do differently to prepare ourselves so that God can sow new seed into us, and it'll take root. It, it requires us to change stuff. I mean, I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. I mean, you guys have you've probably figured that out as your pastor. I'm pretty transparent. I don't, I don't hide a whole lot of stuff. There's not, I don't have anything to hide, really. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. We as a church are in a new season, aren't we? This is new back here. And it can be a challenge. New things can be a challenge. But as we said last week, God is preparing us as individuals and as a church for new guests to come and be a part of our family. We're never going to change the gospel. Listen, we're always going to preach the gospel. You, you can go back and listen to any of the messages I've preached in the last six months, and you will not find the gospel absent from them. I preach the word of God. Absolutely, I preach the word of God. I believe that God's word is what changes lives. Prayer is what changes lives. Jesus is the only source that changes lives. But if we're going to reach new people, what do we need to do? New things. We're going to have to do new things. And I believe that God is taking us into a new season as a church. And the question is, for your individual life, what's the new season that God wants to lead you into? And what is the ground that he's tilling up in your life so that you can be ready to receive a new blessing from him? Same action equals same results. If we just want to get what we've been getting, let's keep on doing the exact same thing. But I don't know about you, but I want to receive something new from God every day. Every day. I never want to get to the point that I am so satisfied with what I have that I stop pressing in. I never want to get so satisfied with where I'm at in life that I stop with the wonder and excitement of meeting Jesus. We can meet Jesus new and afresh every day. But when we start taking it for granted, we start drying out like a field that's going through drought. You ever heard somebody say, maybe you've said it. Maybe you've said it. I just don't feel that close to God right now. I got a promise for you. God did not move away from you. We've let other things slide in. Push him out. Take our attention. And we need some new tools in our lives. Listen, I'm going to encourage you. I just, I'm, we, we have pre-service prayer here at 915 to 945 every Sunday. If we want new things for our church, we need more people praying. We, make, we, we do about 25 minutes of prayer every Wednesday night as part of our Wednesday night activities. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. 
We need more people praying. We need more people participating in ministry than ever before. We need more people inviting people to church than ever before. We believe that God is preparing us for a new season, so that means we as the people of God have to be willing to do new things. And it takes effort. And it's uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you. I understand. It's uncomfortable. No one likes doing new things. But you know what? God is preparing us. God is preparing us. And just like John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, he's preparing each and every one of us. He's preparing each and every one of us. And here's the the question that I have. Who is God using to prepare you? Do you have people in your life that are helping to prepare you? Do you have people in your life that are challenging you to grow deeper? That are challenging you to do new things? Are you in a small group? Are you involved in a ministry? Are you in relationship and people of this church? I gotta be honest with you. We have a very friendly church. I love, I I told you guys that last week. I love how friendly our church is. But friendly is not the same as caring. And friendly is not the same as in relationship. I would, I would hope that each and every one of us would be involved in a small group, would be involved in a ministry. Is it just so that we can get more stuff done? No. It's so that you can grow as an individual. As iron sharpens iron, what does that mean? It means you have to come in contact with someone else. Christianity was never meant to be an individual activity. It has always been a team sport. Who is God using to prepare you. And then the other question is, how is God using you to prepare someone else? We get to be farmed and we get to be farmers. We get to continue to sow out seed as we ourselves are growing. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be complete in order for God to use us to do something new. God wants you to be a part of his grand plan and the great scheme that he has for this world. He has picked the church as his chosen instrument to help evangelize and reach the lost. You are the church. He has picked you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world in your community, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family. He has chosen you because you are the church. How is God using you to prepare someone else? See, God is is making a way for people to find Jesus. John the Baptist came to prepare the people for Jesus. That's what he did. He came to make the way straight. He came to prepare the way for Jesus. And God is making a way for people to find Jesus. And he wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to till up the soil. He wants to use you to sow the seeds. He wants to use you for the for the steps of transformation that we all have to experience. And he wants you to do it walking arm in arm with one another. He wants us to move forward in his calling. And God uses people to make 
the way clear. This should be encouraging. This should be encouraging. Because if you look back in your own life, you're going to find people that helped you to find Jesus. We look at John chapter 1. Here we see the great introduction of the light to the world. And then we see John the Baptist, who was like a farmer tilling up soil, saying that the light is coming. The light is coming. God is coming. And when he got here, when he got here, this is what John the Baptist says. He says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. This is verse 29. It says, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John the Baptist was used to till the soil to prepare people to receive Jesus. You are being prepared. The soil of your life is being tilled. You are being prepared. God is sowing new seed into your life. And at the same time, God wants to use you to prepare others. How do I know that? How do I know that God is wanting something more for you? Well, we've got a promise from Jeremiah 29, 11, don't we? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is preparing us for something great. God is preparing us for something more. The question is, are you ready for the new season that God has for you? 